everyone on today's podcast, Alex and I are talking about the many subcultures that you either have or don't have for your company and how it pretty much affects everything that you do. Check it out. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm Logan Schinholzer. Hey guys, I'm Alex Timms. And today we're talking about the various cultures of your contracting business. Now, we're not just talking about like the, the general, like what's your company culture like, we're breaking it down specifically. So we're going to be discussing the many cultures within the entire culture of the business. So Alex, kick it on off. What, what does the culture of a company represent? It kind of represents the vibe of office life or I guess the, the overall feeling you get if you're like a, you're always on the road necessarily, like in a client's home or on the job site, you know, what's, you know, are you getting stuff done? Is it always messing around or is it, you know, uptight? We've all worked for those people that you hate going to work because everything's on pins and needles, that type of stuff. So let's talk about that. Give me an example of a shitty culture that you've been around in the work environment. I think just, uh, I'll do an example. I worked at a water park in high school and you were trained that anyone with a teal shirt represented like high management. And you were trained to fear them. So if they were by you, you were always shaken because like they're staring at you, like like drawing lasers through your body, basically. That you, you know, were doing your job correctly. No one was getting in for free, you know, and all that stuff. So it kind of made it for a horrible culture, just because um, you're on your feet for eight hours a day. So if you were leaning a little bit, trying to like take a little load off of your foot, you'd get yelled at, reprimanded, and it's like, oh boy, like like attention like military style to work at a water park for minimum wage and then i've seen you know work environments like you know hey you know i don't care what hours you work as long as you get your work done like that's the type of environment where it, it gives you gives you as a person you know more responsibility and more growth that maybe if you were lazy in the past because you had that strict you know boss that now you're like okay i need to make sure i get my work done but it's up to me and you kind of grow more as a person i feel like so with that is there an ideal company culture you think for the contracting business? I really think it depends on it. I mean, I don't want to say it depends on your staff, but it does kind of depend on your staff. I've seen with my dad, similar type of business that he has employees that would just take advantage if he had that loose kind of culture. So while it's not like I'm going to draw lasers through you and stare at you while you do your job, it's a little bit more stricter structured because he's trying to avoid them slacking off and not taking an extra initiative. So I think it really depends on the crew you have. It's funny you say that because I think it's, it's the opposite. I think it's the, it depends on you as the owner or the person, the leader. So when you first start, especially in a small company, if it's like the, you know, a fortune 500 company, that's one thing. Um, Cause you're going to have your own cultures there, but like think of like a bill Belichick. Right, Bill Belichick. How would you describe him and the culture that he runs up in New England? I would say it's a little bit more like military style. Not a lot of fun is portrayed. So, do you think somebody who looks at the game of football as it's fun and you should be enjoying it, do you think they're going to thrive in New England? No, and I think there's been many examples like that. And I think that's a big part of why Gronk left and why Tom Brady left. Like they're just it's good if you want to win championships, but at a certain level, you're just like, I'm done. Like this is, mm -hmm. it's too much. I'm out. Yeah. So I, I look at it as the leader sets the culture. And if the leader is somebody that is a micromanager or they're always like 
they're really shitty. They need to find people who are good with that mm-hmm. and are okay with being micromanaged. And that's really kind of the, how the culture is set. Now, with that being said, you now, as a leader, you limit yourself because you have to now go out and find people who enjoy being micromanaged, which yeah. they're out there, but there's not that many of them. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with you that the leader should set the culture, but I will, I'll use the Patriots example again. So, you know, it worked because I feel like Tom Brady and everybody kind of bought into the system and you always see that Mm -hmm. like with NFL, like, are they going to buy into the system? So, but now Cam Newton, a notoriously outspoken guy, a lot of personality. Now he's on the team and you kind of see them like having a little bit more fun. It's kind of a little bit looser. You know, this obviously they won their first game. So, I mean, it's probably still the same old Patriots, but like, you see, I think it's like a, I think it kind of conformed into both, you know, but also mm-hmm. he, he has a 20 year, 25 year, whatever it is, like cult history with this same culture. So you kind of know what you're buying right. into when you sign. But I, I think it, I think it is a little bit of both. Yeah, that's true because he is, I mean, Cam Newton's dancing and singing in practice. So if you're going to have an employee who, and which, which Belichick's okay with that. He's okay mm-hmm. with, it seems like dancing and stuff. As long as you do your job, that's yeah. his only rule. Do mm-hmm. your job. Don't do any less. Don't do any more. Just do your job. So I think if you have an employees that are more individualistic, they do their own thing, as long as they're operating in their constraints, because that's one of those things that growing up, I watched my dad do a lot, which was funny, where he would bring to the team questions. Hey, we're dealing with this issue with cl- a client. How would you guys handle it? Which was an amazing thing to see because it would empower the team to think on their feet or solve their own problems. So it's like he can eventually step out of the company because if you never delegate issues or problems to mm-hmm. the team, then you're always going to have to be the one that makes the decisions. But what he would do is he would say, okay, this client is mad at us. What would you do? And somebody would speak up and say, well, I think we could call them back and then talk about what they would want us to do in that situation. And if they want us to refund the money, we'll refund the money. And he would go, what if we do this? What if we call them back and we just, we ask them what they think we should do. And if they want us to give back the money, we'll give back the money. And we were like, we'd look at each other like, that's just what he said. But you just said it in a different tonality, a little bit slower, but it's the same message. Mm-hmm. So it was funny because he would have like an end goal in mind and somebody would say that exact thing, but because it was a little bit different than how he would say it, same end result, just different how he would say it. Um, he would immediately go, yeah, I don't know about that one, but what if we did it this way? And we're like, it's the same damn thing. So that's one of those instances that I see a lot of is a lot of people, they have a hard time of taking everything back and saying, look, you, as long as you get this thing done, here's my expectations at the end of it. This wall needs to be painted with no streaks, no dings, and you can't get paid on any of the trim. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter how you do it, as long as you get it done in this manner and you get it done in this amount of time, have at it. If you want to start off on one little section first and then keep doing little section by little section, or if you want to do the whole thing in one coat and then the second thing in one coat, which I know is not the official way, like the previous way, it's not how you would actually do it. But either way, as long as they got it done, 
in your constraints, it doesn't necessarily matter how they do it, which is exactly why you became an entrepreneur. If you're listening to this, because you wanted to get something done, but you didn't want to be told how to do it. Yet a lot of us entrepreneurs then step back into that role and we say, well, you have to do it my way because it's my company and this is how I do it and this is how it's done. But now you got to find other robots that do it the same way, which is fine. But now you're swimming in a much smaller pool. Yeah. I looked at like you had Tommy Mello on the podcast a few weeks ago and it was like he was, you know, saying he's like a you know million dollar garage door company. And like he was going through his whole training process of hiring new people. And I thought of it like when, we, when you mentioned this, because, you know, he was basically saying, I don't want nobody with experience. I want everyone free. And that's kind of growing. That's kind of molding, you know, the, the youth into your culture. Like he's the type of guy with that, that leadership. He is set with the culture. And if you didn't watch or listen to the podcast, recommend it. Cause you'll know, like hearing the guy talking, looking at him, he's like stern, like that is going to be the leadership. So it makes sense. Like if you already had a crew with experience and they've already seen a process in a different company, they wouldn't fit in with him because they, he needs like, oh, it almost looked like a year and a half of training before you actually like are pinned down in the job, you know? So right. that's a good example of a guy who has like, that's the leader. That's the way you're not going to fit in this company. If you don't follow like my, my way. And it works for some people. It works for some people. I mean, he's very successful, but also I think it's recognizing your own strengths that you're not necessarily a Tommy Mello that can you, can you to the T discipline people if they kind of go off rails or, you know, adjust if you, if you're wrong stuff like that, you know, it, I know a lot of like business owners that they're not able to do that and they just kind of fall victim to their employees almost. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because everybody's got their own style and what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for somebody else like what you're talking about. So I see this a lot with marketing where one contractor shares a tip with another one that says, well, this is what I'm doing and it's working really well. And the other contractor goes, well, let me try the same thing. But what they don't take into account is the first contractor is a plumber running Google ads. Well, if you're a homeowner searching for Google, you know, a plumber, you probably need to hire one right now. And the other contractor is a home builder. And they're like, well, let me run Google ads. Mm-hmm. Well, the sales time of a new home is a lot longer than five minutes, which is the decision-making time that it takes for somebody to hire a plumber when their pipes are leaking or like something's overflowing in their house. Mm-hmm. So they go, well, it doesn't work. And it's like the old Gary V model where it's like, you know, Gary V would always talk about, look, like a basketball, the ROI of a basketball to LeBron James is very different than the ROI of a basketball to me. Just because it doesn't work for me doesn't mean it doesn't work for everybody, but you have to kind of adapt your own style and go from there. Yeah. Um, but with the whole Tommy Mello idea, what he has is he has what was awesome. He has these, these mini cultures throughout the company. And you really have to ask yourself, because I think 95 to 99% of contractors have a culture of let's build a good product. Mm-hmm. But what they don't have are all the other cultures that go around it because they put their craft first. And what's what I love is I love talking to contractors that they didn't, they didn't come into the business because they were a tradesman first. Mm-hmm. That's truthfully how I was. I started this marketing company, not because I was, I loved marketing or I was obsessed with marketing. I just did it. And it was a vehicle for me to get in because I wanted to run a business. And then now since I'm in it, I like have learned over the years that like, I love it because I love the psychology behind it all. 
but I don't come in with this huge background and I'm obsessed with marketing and this and that. Now let me try to run a business, which I think it helps me and it helps the contractors that do that because they focus on other aspects of the business. First off, the marketing aspect, because without marketing, you don't have sales. And Alex, what happens if you don't have sales? You don't get money. You're out of business. You don't get money. And if you don't have any money, what happens to the company? You're done. You're bankrupt. You're out of business. So with that being said, would you say it's a fair assessment to say that marketing is pretty important? It's very important. I think it's fair. So if that is the first step in getting a customer, then you have to audit what your culture looks like from a marketing perspective. Do you have a company culture of marketing or not? And if you don't, you probably now go, okay, this is why we haven't grown in 10 years. Mm -hmm. Whether you're a one-man show or you have a whole operation, the first domino to fall for you to have a successful business is marketing. And if you don't have a culture that is very pro-marketing and marketing heavy, which is what Tommy Mello, he's like, he, we talk, he's like, I'm a marketer at heart. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't think that dude came out of the womb like, oh my God, my first word's going to be garage door. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think, and I didn't ask him this, but I don't think that he's obsessed with the physical aspect of a garage door. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. So a culture of marketing. Well, let me ask you this, Alex. Contracting company. You work in the whole video side of things and you work in the content side and you work with clients of ours that use us for the content. What would a contracting company that has a culture of being good at marketing, what does that look like? Uh, I, I'll use Premier Ponds as an example just because probably the most recent video I did for a client was them and, and the way that they're able, they've been doing this video stuff for like years. They're used to it. So they've grown into this marketing kind of mindset. And it's easy for, you know, Andrew, the, the head of the project, basically, to just stand in front of the camera and explain exactly what's going on. And, and everything is, is geared towards how they can do that for other people, like what the end goal is, what the emotion is. And, and it, it's already embedded in the culture. And then other companies that are just starting out, they're really just like grabbing, you know, the foreman or, you know, the the one of the guys on the job and just kind of putting him in camera and they don't really have a direction because they're, you know, they're the, they're the worksmen. They're the, they're building the pond. They're, they're painting the house. They don't know. They're not getting that, that emotion to the client yet. They don't know it yet. So I think it just comes with repetition, but also Premier Pond's done a good job, like instilling that marketing mindset into their employees already. So that, you know, they have a lot of young kids that come in. They're already kind of like, this is the groove of what we do. We're kind of, we're pond builders, but we're marketers as well. And we're videographers with Nilo. You know what I mean? So with it being from the top down from Andrew, because Andrew's now the, the majority owner of that company, mm -hmm. what does it mean for the, the company when the owner is the one actually willing to be in the videos and help out with that stuff? I think it's, it's a good leadership. I think if he's the main focus of the video, or not the main focus, but he's the talking head of the video and he's showing the passion about it. He's explaining it. It makes guys like, you know, your brother TJ or anybody else that's on there be like, okay, like this is, this is what I have to follow because this is what, 
this is the example. This is the leader. And if he's sitting in the back, like, ah, somebody else do it. I don't want to do it. It's kind of thrown away. Like, ah, it's not important to me, but it shows the importance of it that Andrew is willing to get up there and be animated and really try to hit home and do three or four takes in different spots and just put in the effort. That's not, has nothing to do with building the pond. It's just taking time and explaining what they're doing and what they can do for the next person. With, with what they do, I mean, or, or what anybody does in the contracting space is pretty much at any point in the project, you are on set. You are not in a kitchen that is mid-renovation. You are on a movie or TV set that at any point, if I said, stop, let me pull my phone out real fast. I want you to explain something about the aspect of the project that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Do you see, Alex, do you see any reason that people could not do that? Where at any point, even like with you, like as you're editing a video, if I said, all right, stop right here. I want you to explain exactly where you are in this video and what's going on. Could you do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. It's all about a story. Like when you're filming, so like when you're building the pond, you know, you're starting from scratch. You're building a, you're building a story as you're building the pond. So it, de- it definitely takes a different side of the brain to actually build it than talk about it. But, you know, it, it is easy and anyone can do it to just take out your phone and, and talk through it because you have to talk through it anyway to build it. So why don't you talk through it on camera and explain what this is why we have to put the rock here. We can't get, the, we don't, we have to pick up the rocks and drag them from the front yard. We can't have, you know, equipment just come back here and, and lift it up and do it. They don't, they don't stick around for that long. Stuff like that. It, Yes, it has to be taught and yeah, you can, but anyone can, anyone can learn this. It's so easy to just pick out your phone and do this. And it's, it's the culture idea of it all. So mm-hmm. for example, like we, since we're a growth company, we're big on revenue. How are we doing revenue wise? Like every Monday during our numbers, like you guys all know how we did this week, how much we sold, things like that. But I'm not the one that's actually like reconciling the books. Like I still know what's going on. I know where money's going, things like that, because we have a culture of, we need to grow revenue at healthy margins, but I don't actually have to do the work. But the problem is most companies, when it comes to marketing, like that culture, they don't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. They want hands off. Don't bother me. Just let me know if leads are coming in. Yes or no. But they have no idea how any of it works nor do they try. So the companies that are willing to invest the time and energy, not much, but just enough. Those are the ones that always win out. Those are the ones that have this culture where the whole team, and yes, you're going to have foremen, you're going to have laborers, you're going to have people in the organization that don't want to be on camera. They Mm -hmm. don't want to be on video and this and that, but you have to understand that the world's changing. And if you have a culture that hides and doesn't like to put themselves out there. It's like, imagine if you had a salesman who was afraid of rejection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, How would salesman. that work? It wouldn't work because they would never reach work, out yeah. to anybody. Nobody oh, yeah. likes rejection. I mean, Alex, have you ever tried to pick up a girl? And when she said no, you were like, oh, thank God. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because you, you wouldn't, you know, because you, you wouldn't put yourself out there. So if you don't have the culture that's marketing and growth and Let's build a brand and it's throughout the entire company. Then you're building everything on stilts because you're probably reliant on one individual lead source and that's it. 
which is most likely referrals. And it's most likely not just, you know, every customer has, has sent me one. It's probably a, a handful of customers that send the most. Yeah. But what happens if one of those customers moves out? Let's say you have five customers that send you all the work or five referral partners or five, whatever it is. And one of them leaves. Well, now if it's split evenly, your revenue just dropped, uh, dropped by 20% because yeah. you just sat back and did nothing. So a culture of marketing is going to be one where the leader, the owner, you don't have to do everything, but you push it. You understand that your team are, you're on like a movie set at all times mm-hmm. and you can effectively at the drop of a dime, explain what's going on and educate those because that will build a following. Yeah. I was having this conversation with a buddy of mine and I'm interested to see your take because like, I feel like the argument that contractors will make is that, well, we need people to do the job, not just be marketers and salesmen and, and you know, videographers and all that. You actually need like, you know, handyman and stuff like that. So do you think it's, it's better to hire someone with, you know, I'll say sales is a better example, like basically a salesman that also can paint a room or knows painting and builds a pond or 100%. a guy that, yeah, that's what I said too. And I was having not an argument, but a debate with my buddy because you can teach someone how to paint. You can teach someone how to build a pond, but to have those natural sales abilities and, you know, that marketing, that marketing mindset, that's, that's, you can, you can teach it, but it's more natural than it is teaching in my opinion. Hey guys, if you're looking to grow your business, make sure you head over to contractorgrowthnetwork.com. Learn all about everything that we can do. Websites right now are the hot thing. Everybody is at home. Get on it because this is the new way that people are buying today. Contractorgrowthnetwork.com. So let me give you an example of this. We'll move over to the sales side, the sales culture, because this is truly, Premier is good at marketing. Their, Their culture of sales is amazing. And let me explain to you what they do. So they have, Yes, you have, you have people that have to actually do the work. And what most contractors are going to do are they're going to go out and find a laborer or somebody that can you know, move shit all day long for 10 bucks an hour. Now, for 10 bucks an hour, what quality of person are you going to get, Alex? You're not going to get someone who's really going to give a shit that much. You're going to get somebody who's going to give up 10 bucks an hour's worth of effort. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, what Premier does is I'm pretty sure like for like the low, low level laborers there, like people that like their job is literally just to move rocks from the front yard to the backyard. They start off like minimum, like kid in high school, like 18 bucks an hour. Really good. So they pay well, but here is how it all works is they have this two man upsell is what they call. And let me just get this out of the way. An upsell is not necessarily like, Oh, you won over on the client. It's typically you getting the client to step a little bit more outside their comfort zone and get something that's going to benefit their life even more. So what they have is they have the, the two men upsell where they have this culture where one, they have the, the client out there as they're building the pond, they'll have the client out there that's just kind of watching what's going on, talking to them. And one person, person A, let's say they want to, they want to sell lights, lights in the pond. Okay. The one, the first person will say, Hey, person number two, let's say it's TJ and Andrew. TJ will say, Hey, Andrew, are we putting lights in this pond? And Andrew knows damn well it's not in the contract. So Andrew goes, I don't know, one second. And then he looks at the client. He goes, Hey, are we putting lights in this pond? 
That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And the client is going to say one of two things, either yes or no. But because it's in the culture there, or to ask, that's all you got to do is ask. It's a culture of sales. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's a, it's a smart way. I never thought of it to do that because it, it kind of just is like, it doesn't, it's, I don't know, it's not scripted. Like, it's so easy to just ask that as a, as a labor. Isn't like, that hey, simple? Lines? So simple. And it's almost like you'd feel stupid not doing it because it's so simple. And it, it's such an easy way to upsell without having it look like an upsell. Hey, for not upsell. we could put, yeah. Yeah, we can right. put lights in your pond. Hey, we doing lights in this pond? Like generally asking, do I, I don't know. Are we doing it? Right. And that's all it is because the worst that happens is to say no. And you're at the same point, but you didn't, you didn't get a total rejection where you're like, Hey, let, let me give you a full presentation. It's just yeah. a quick question. Hey, are we doing this as well? Mm-hmm. Which anybody out there could do that. You've got your painting, you know, you know, you're damn well that you're there just to do the bedroom. But somebody goes, Hey, are we doing this closet over here as well? I'm like, I don't know. Are we doing this? You want to do this closet while we're here? That's all it is. That's all it really is. But they have this culture, which is why what they do is they know, let's say their average, excuse me, like pond cleaning, whatever it is, pond cleaning, we'll say is like the first thing they sell. Um, their average pond cleaning is like $1,800, average project size. But they initially sell it on average for like $1,150. So that means that they know, hey, we just sold this job for eleven fifty, but it's most likely going to add on another six fifty because there's going to be other things when we're out there that all we got to do is ask. Yeah, but it's in the culture there, and that is why they they grow. And guess what? As part of that is their the people that work there also get commission on stuff they upsell. They get ten percent. So when that happens, when somebody goes, "Hey, are we doing this?" and like, "I don't know, are we doing this?" And the client's like, uh, sure, I guess add that on. You know, it's two, two hundred, two grand. The worker now just made an extra two hundred bucks, and your company just made an extra eighteen hundred dollars. But that wouldn't happen with somebody making ten bucks an hour because they don't yeah, give a would, shit. They would have the initiative to do that, yeah. They're because they're 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 okay with making ten bucks an hour, which is that's cool. That, that's your prerogative. That's what you want to make. That's what you want to make. But that just means that that is your standard. Yeah. It seems so simple that that the two man uh, two man upsell or whatever it's called it seems such a simple idea, but it, it goes to show you like that that sales ability, just like that willingness to build the, to buy into that mindset, kind of trumps even having the skills to put in the lights necessarily. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I think TJ alone this year is like using that has so, upsold about a hundred grand. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Just by asking, as long as just asking. That's it. And, and and like I said, he's he's the laborer on the project, so it's like yep. he's asking because he might have to put it in, you know. And yep. but it turns out to be an upsell. And he makes makes money off it. It's brilliant. It's super easy. Culture of sales is big. The next mm-hmm. culture moving over is the 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 quality product or the fulfillment, right? This is. I'm not going to spend too much time on this part because I think everybody listening to this probably understands what that looks like a culture of doing the right work you know having a a good final product like doing what you say you're going to do with the client like i think that's what most people here pride themselves on is what we build a quality product but when everybody else is doing that how do you stand out that's a good question 
And that's part three. The first part is marketing. The second part is sales. Because if you don't have a culture of marketing, you're not going to generate the leads. If you don't have a culture of sales, you're not going to turn those leads into something. So by the time that you get to the point of the, your strong suit, which is the actual swinging of the hammer, if you don't focus on the first two parts, you're at the whims of something else that's going to do it for you, or you're just not really going to grow. Yeah. I think you've said this before on the podcast, like from your ponds, you look at it, they're not, they're not the top pond, but they make these amazing features. Like they make great features. Don't get me wrong, but they're not like, you know, we're going to win award winning, you know, you know, ponds, they just, they do so well because they know how to sell and they know how to market and they know how to like do, they, they know how to do the quality job and they, they do everything else. The other two aspects so well that it makes them the number one company. You know what I mean? They've won several times, top pond contractor, but it's not based on your skill. It's not based on how beautiful the, the work is. It's based on from the manufacturer, how much product you buy from them. Mm -hmm. That's all it's really based on. And without a, a culture of marketing and sales, you got nothing. You're yeah. not going to win that award. Now, you got other awards like Artist of the Year, which is the most beautiful product. And sometimes people that win that are great businessmen. And otherwise, it's people that are making 30 grand a year. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Like you just, you got, you got this award. That's a, it's a great award. It's a big feat. And you get to put that up in your 800 square foot home. Yeah. That's why companies have CEOs or COOs because, you know, they, they're the, you know, they, they, you founded the company, you are the craftsman, you like what you, like that's your niche, but you don't know how to run the business. That other side is the business side is what can put you over the top. And like you said, like we worked with contractors that great contractors just didn't make any money because they weren't fantastic business people. Yeah. And those, they just, it doesn't work out because they, which they typically, if you're big, big on cr being a good craftsman, but not good on the other aspects of it, that leads to the next part, which is your culture of like HR, which is how is the company? Is everybody happy? How's the leadership styles? How are you hiring? Because if you have a shitty environment that you're in, it's hard to hire because nobody wants to work for you. Or out of a hundred people, one person's like willing to like take the plunge. So it's, it's a very tough spot to be in. If you have a terrible, like from an HR perspective, that is a bad spot to be in. So a lot of people, what they do is they hire when they absolutely need it. Hey, I need, I need somebody to come in tomorrow because our other guy just quit because he was drinking on the job halfway, you know, and I yelled at him and now he quit. I need somebody to come in tomorrow. They need to be a player already knowing how to do the skill. They need to be good, positive energy. They need to stop whatever they're doing right now so they can show up tomorrow. And they need to do it all for $12 an hour. You going to find all that? No. No. I mean, you'd be lucky if you found two out of those. <laughs> two right. It's, it's, just, of it's not going to happen, but everybody has this culture of, well, hiring is a reactive thing. It's not proactive. Mm -hmm. Right. If you hire somebody that is, they have the right core values. Maybe they don't know how to paint. Maybe they don't know how to, you know, remodel a kitchen or, or tile or something like that. Those are all things that can be, those are the, those hard skills are things that can be learned, mm -hmm. but soft skills being part of, you know, like being proactive and being able to upsell and being able to talk to clients. Like those are the things that you need to pay money for that. You need to hire mm -hmm. people that have those skills because 
yes, right now you're paying instead of 10 bucks an hour, you're paying 20 bucks an hour for somebody to come in and do that. And you're probably thinking this is the most overpaid laborer ever, but give it a month and they will upsell enough work that covers their salary and some in the first month. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And I think, uh, I think my dad goes through the model of like, everyone asks, are you hiring? He's like, I'm always hiring because it's kind of what you said. You know, if a driver quits or, you know, calls in sick, you know, Oh, I need a driver for today. Who am I going to call? Like, I don't have anybody, but like, if you're always hiring, if someone comes through the door and he fits the culture, fits the needs, doesn't matter what time of the year. Yeah. I could train you. I mean, maybe not in the winter months when we're super busy, I train you, but if you come through all these credentials, why not? I'll throw you in a truck. You know, it's, it's the same thing where, you know, he's like, Oh, we're not hiring right now. But what if he's an A plus guy? What if he is that guy who just got laid off from another job? And it's like, I need to find work the next day. And he comes on knocking on your door. Yeah. It's one of the best times ever to hire because guess what? There's a lot of really good people that just because of the nature of the current climate, they don't have a job. Yeah. So you're not going to find a better time than now because unemployment's still very high. And all these people that maybe they were, they worked at a restaurant, right? They were like, think about somebody who comes from the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. If you're a wait staff, a waiter, you're on your feet all day long. So you have some stamina. You also, if you're, if you have a shitty attitude, are you going to make a lot of tips as a waiter? No, no, not at all. So you're going to naturally be phased out of that. So you've got all these people that are sitting at home because they lost their job that are used to being active all day long and they have a good attitude because otherwise they would just be pushed out because otherwise they're making like a dollar 50 an hour because they rely on tips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and it, it, if someone comes in and you say you have a full staff, like you have already have your four guys on the, on the, uh, on the job that you're going to use for most of your jobs, uh, we don't really have room for a fifth guy in the truck. You know, it's busy. That could also change your whole business culture as a, a, a anyway, because you know, you're adding another person. They have great intangibles. It's like we're almost having, you can make them just a primary salesman or something. You can create a role for them that might even enhance your business even more. So you never know. And that's what kind of what goes back to like, it kind of depends on your staff too, your, your crew, you know, but, but as a leader, you have to be willing to change your culture. Like you said, not get stuck in your ways because this is your company is how I want to do it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what happens is you bring somebody in when you don't necessarily need them, but they're an A player, they rise to the top and somebody who you thought was a, you know, an okay B player turns out that there is a C or a D player and they leave. So you effectively end up with the same amount of people, but you swapped out a C player for an A plus player. Mm-hmm. And now the whole business, like, you know, the tide rises with all ships or all ships rise with the tide, whatever that is, everybody's getting better because you brought in somebody great and you kicked out or not kicked out, but somebody left on their own. And like, I watched this with my dad's company growing up where he would have people that they knew the skill. They, they could physically do it. They had terrible attitudes. Like there was one guy one time that, um, he used to hire all these Eastern European diving coaches. Cause I was a diver growing up. So during the daytime, cause they would, you know, coach practice in the evenings, they had no work. They had nothing to do during the day. So my dad's mm-hmm. like, okay, if you want to, you know, make some money during the daytime, come work for me. Yeah. And I remember he was telling me the story at one point he asked one of them, they all like, they finished a job early and he took the whole team out to go get lunch. And they're all, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's happy because it's lunch on the company. You know how that goes. And mm-hmm. he went on the table 
and said, let's just talk about something that you, like you, you wish could happen. And he asked this guy, he said, something that, tell me something that you could wish. He said, I wish my other job paid more so I could quit this one. Yeah. How, how would you take that if you were the owner? Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Glad I'm right. paying for like, lunch. Yeah. Like, like that is like, you know, the fact that you feel that way is one thing, but the fact that you would f- say that to the owner of the business. So, and it just happened that somebody who was, they had just brought in somebody new. I, th- I think it was Andrew at the time. They just brought in Andrew, this other kid. And they're like, well, we don't, maybe we don't necessarily need him, but mm-hmm. he seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders. Well, lo and behold, that guy was out by the end of the summer. And then Andrew now owns the majority of the company. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like the old saying, a little competition never hurt. And that's why in sports, it's a great example because how many teams with mediocre quarterback play this year brought in a guy yep. during a pandemic year with no preseason to compete with them. The bears, for example, they, you know, that was one that pops to mind, you know, the Patriots. So it's like, you're going to see like the, the cream rises from to the top. Like that's, you know, Mitchell Trubisky won the job. Cam Newton won the job because they, they proved they're A plus players and the guys that they brought in or the, the, the backup quarterback just kind of like, Oh, there's competition. I thought this could be my job. You know, this comes a little confidence with that. It, it happens in business too. I've seen it with my dad's company too. Like current guys, they get threatened when new guys get hired because you know, they, Oh, they're coming from my job. They're younger. They're faster. It's a circle of life, but at the same time, you have all this experience on them. Use it to your advantage. I remember that. Oh, I used to hear that of like, well, if I if I train somebody else to do what I do, then mm-hmm. I'm out of a job because I just trained yeah. myself out of a job, and you can find you just save money. And it's like my mindset is if you are physically capable to train somebody how to do exactly what you do, you are way more valuable to me because mm-hmm. you have that management skill. That okay, great. Now we can scale it up, and that's. I mean, that's. I mean, the whole competition thing you're talking about. That's why we're hiring three sales reps. One, there's no competition. Two, you're gonna eventually have an alpha and a beta, and the beta mm-hmm. is gonna be like, well, screw it, I got an alpha. But when you bring in three, now you have this like circle that like, you know, everybody's trying to compete for the top. Yeah, and you're not really gonna have a first place, second place, third place. Because when it's first and second, it's like, well, screw it. I'll just let them get first and I'll, I'll take second. But when there's top three, nobody wants to be third. So mm-hmm. even if there is one alpha, number two and number three are going to flip-flop back and forth. So yeah. that's the other side of it is, is we're, you know, and that's big for sales. It might, I wouldn't necessarily do that for like everything. But for a sales role where you, you absolutely need somebody who's money-driven and you absolutely need somebody who is competitive, the competition's got to be there. Yeah. It comes to a phase out point too. You know, you get older again, use a sports analogy, but it's so easy, I think, to resonate with. You know, the 36 year old quarterbacks can be feel feel threatened when they use the first round pick on a 22 year old, but like, you know, hey, it you've been in the league for 14, 15 years. You got you know defense, you know how to read it. You should be have no as long as you can physically do it, you should have no problem winning that job. You know what I mean? So it's yep. Or you, and then you move into a mentor role, you move into coaching, you know, that's the next step you always see. And, and as a, a, an employee, you move into a manager role. Cause at some point you're physically not going to be able to do it. And if you, and if you wait too long, it happened to my dad's company. You wait too long to move into that next role. Now you're screwed because if there is that faster and better driver coming at you, he's taking your job because you physically can't do it anymore. Yeah. 
So the, the culture of, of hiring is, is one that I see a lot of contractors mess up. Like I saw somebody post something the other day and they said, I, I just, I'm just so busy right now. I don't have time to train slash babysit somebody, which is what we talked about before, but it's the same idea. The fact that your culture and your mindset is that anybody you bring in, you're going to have to babysit. They're going to feel like shit mm-hmm. and they're not going to want to stay. Then they're going to quit. And it's this self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. You bring somebody in already thinking that they're going to suck and they're going to quit. So what do you do? You end up treating them like shit because they think they're going to leave anyway. And because you treat them like shit, they leave. And then you go, well, see, this is exactly why I did it. Mm-hmm. And as a good segue out, this is exactly what we're talking about with all like marketing and sales is really this, this game of golf. It's the better tee shot you have is your marketing and your sales is getting it in the hole. And what we're focusing on at this point is really making it easier for you to get the ball in the hole because otherwise it's the same self-fulfilling prophecy. You generate leads online and the leads suck because the marketing sucks. And you go into the sales call thinking, well, this is just another tire kicker. This is just another waste of time. So you treat them like that. And then do you think the, the homeowner feels loved in those calls, Alex? No. So they don't, they don't move forward. They do nothing. And then they go away and you go, well, see, I told, told myself that's why. Mm-hmm. And it's not because the leads suck. It's because you're going into it with bad attitude because you've had such a bad track record because all the stuff you're doing online is off and you're trying to somehow hit your birdie shot from 180 yards out. And it just doesn't work like that. So if you're sick of that and you're trying to really get your shit together. Head over to contractorgrowthnetwork.com. We got this sick 3P program that's meant to do just that. Not give you 4 billion leads a month, but just give you the people that you want already pre-qualified, ready to go. So by the time you answer, you go into that call excited and not frustrated for once. Contractorgrowthnetwork.com. Let's start the conversation. Thank you.